pray in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. If it gets too glary, I may have to put my sunglasses back on. So I'll try to uh, keep them off as long as I can. So today we hear a gospel that includes a name that maybe we hear so often associated in a certain way that we may take for granted the story behind the name Thomas, the apostle people over the years have called Doubting Thomas. I'd like to suggest, though, that we think of Thomas as the apostle not associated with doubt, but as the apostle associated with asking for evidence to back up claims, the apostle who had just had some questions when he heard from his fellow disciples that they had seen the risen Christ. Thomas wanted first-hand testimony. Thomas wanted to collect his own evidence and judge for himself whether this risen Jesus is the same Jesus he knew. Let's take a minute, though, first to look step-by-step at what unfolds throughout all of John 20. Earlier, Mary sees the empty tomb and the angels, and then she senses someone behind her in the garden, thinking it's the gardener. But then she hears his voice saying, Mary. And in that moment, Mary recognizes that it is Jesus gently calling her by name. Mary tells the disciples, specifically Peter and John, the beloved disciple, about seeing and talking with Jesus. But the disciples, too, needed to see for themselves. Meanwhile, they were hiding out behind locked doors. So when Jesus first appears, he offers them peace. Peace be with you. But Jesus knew that the disciples as human beings with senses and who lived in a world that demanded evidence, a cultural context in which skepticism was a dominant philosophical perspective, that they would need proof of who he was when he first appeared to them. So before they could ask him for proof, Jesus offered it to them by showing them his hands and his side. And then he gives them peace again as he sends them out to continue to be his people and to do his work. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And he doesn't just send them out in peace. Next, Jesus breathes on them so that they will receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Thomas was not present to experience all of this with the other apostles. We're not sure exactly why. But I can imagine that his friends were very eager to share with him everything that he had missed. That Jesus came to them. That Jesus showed them his wounds. That Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on them and sent them out to do his work. To be his apostles or the ones who are sent. I can kind of imagine them saying, you should have been there, Thomas. I mean, that's sort of the ultimate example of sort of the fear of missing out, right? Jesus' visit to them after having been nailed to a cross and then taken down and carried off to his tomb, it all sounded very unlikely. Of course, Thomas was incredulous. Of course, Thomas had questions. He wanted irrefutable evidence because he loved Jesus. He was loyal to Jesus. If we look back at John 10, when Jesus heard the news of his friend Lazarus and decided to set out for Bethany to raise Lazarus from the dead, Thomas was right there with him. 
When Jesus told them, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, let us go with him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Thomas is the disciple in that scene who is loyal to Christ, being willing to go with Jesus to Bethany. Even though the rational side of Thomas tells him that the raising of Lazarus is going to put them all in much danger. Beyond establishing Jesus, Thomas's loyalty and faith to Jesus, this scene is also key for understanding Jesus and Thomas when we see them together again in John 20. First, it's a parallel story of resurrection. And it's also a parallel story of absence. Jesus wasn't there when Lazarus was on his deathbed. And Thomas wasn't there when Jesus first appeared, wounds and all, to the disciples. But in both these scenes, the earlier absence allows for a later opportunity to solidify their belief. In John 10, Jesus said, For your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. Likewise, we can be glad that Thomas was not there on Jesus' first appearance to the disciples. Because Thomas's encounter with Jesus allows us a different window into what it means to have post-resurrection belief. The three post-resurrection encounters we hear about in John 20 highlight the importance of first-hand testimony and personal experience of Christ. Mary shared her testimony of the empty tomb and her encounter with the risen Christ with Peter and with John. But they didn't just believe her. They ran to the tomb to see for themselves. And then Peter and John went back to their homes and shared what they saw, we assume, with Mary and the other disciples. But their response was to lock themselves away in fear at first, waiting until they could learn more, waiting to see if they would see Jesus for themselves. And then Jesus appeared to the ten, greeting them in peace, showing them his wounds, commissioning them to go out, sent with the Holy Spirit to guide them, where we find them today in John 20. When the ten shared their first-hand testimony with Thomas, the absent one, and like them, Thomas just wanted to see for himself. Now, of course, his choice of words in expressing all this was very vivid. Unless I see his hand in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas had a strong reaction, and rightly so. I imagine that Thomas was very much, had very much hoped that what his friends were telling him was true. But like them, he needed to have a first-hand experience of the risen Christ. And as we know from the rest of the story, when Jesus returned the following Sunday, Thomas had his chance for his own personal encounter with Jesus. Just like Mary knew Jesus, who Jesus was by the way he said her name, Mary, so too did Thomas recognize Jesus by what he said to him. Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Jesus said these words to Thomas to show that he knew what Thomas had said to his friends when he wasn't there. 
knowledge that Jesus would have because he was not just human but also divine. And so instead of responding by placing his finger in Jesus' wounds, Thomas responds by giving what is considered by Bible scholars to be the highest confession found in all of the Gospels. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And in this, Thomas's confession recognizes the full identity of Jesus, that he is both Lord and God. Jesus's response to Thomas has been read by those less sympathetic to Thomas, the ones who have labeled him a doubter, as a sort of put down. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. However, what other commentators have noted is that Thomas, because he was absent, serves as a representative figure for all of us who would come later and not have the same opportunity to see Jesus in the flesh and then believe. Jesus' encounter with Thomas, as told here in John 20, comes just before John's concluding statement in verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. John's gospel was written well after the other three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John wrote this gospel around 70 to 100 years after the birth of Christ. More time had passed since the years when Jesus had walked the earth and had firsthand encounters with people. And so by the time John wrote this gospel account, he did so with this purpose in mind, to develop his characters and stories with such detail and depth that it would allow those who heard it who had never seen, never heard, never touched Jesus for themselves to experience through this gospel that Jesus could they experienced Jesus for themselves in such intimate detail that they would indeed believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing would have life in his name. We are among those who have come after John and Mary and Thomas and the other disciples. We are ones who are called to believe based on what others have seen and the words that they have left for us in these gospel accounts. We can believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, because the Gospels are true, reliable accounts. And yet we, like Thomas, still want to experience the risen Christ for ourselves. My encouragement to you today is that we can and do experience Christ for ourselves. Each time we listen and pray, each time we engage with Scripture, each time we participate in worship and relationship with our fellow believers. In the words of First Peter, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen.